Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Wesley Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, let's join Pastor Dave. Good morning. Open your Bibles, please, to Galatians 1.10. Galatians 1.10. Got it up there. Okay. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men... I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for just the opportunity to be here today to worship you. But Lord, I I ask that as we open your word together, that your spirit would just come amongst us. Father, flood this room and do with us as, as you please. Open our hearts. Lead us in a direction that only you could lead. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And we pray this in your most precious name. Amen. You may be seated, please. If you've got your Bibles with you, you want to leave them open. Um, I saw an interesting quote um, the other day. And, uh, and it went like this. It says, the one who follows the crowd will usually go no farther than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places where no one has ever been before. One more time. The one who follows the crowd will usually go no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one else has ever been before. Um, that was um, supposedly uh, a quote by Albert Einstein. Um, I googled it and they said no, um, that it wasn't him. Um, but then, I, oh, there I, huh, poof, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Um, but then I, I realized, well, I Googled it to check it, and they said no, and, but then I Googled it, and it said that it was there, and I'm go- I don't know whether he said it or not. It, it's really, it, it's, it's not important whether, whether uh, Albert Einstein said it or not. It's, good, it's a good quote, though, whoever, whoever said it. And, and as I was preparing uh, my, my sermon for, for today, um, it took me back to that quote. It took me back to that. And uh, why? Why did it do that? Why did the Lord hit me in the head with that one? I'll tell you why. Because it, it reminded me of our Christianity. It reminded me of, of our faith and, and the faith of, of Christians today. Um, you see, we have, we have two paths that we can go in, in our faith, in our Christian faith. And one of them is that we can be a worldly Christian. 
And if you decide to be a worldly Christian, you're going to have a lot of company. You'll have all kinds of people that will walk along with you and agree with the things that, that are said today. But if you don't want to be a worldly Christian, then here's your other choice. You could be a biblical Christian. And if you're a biblical Christian, I'm going to tell you now, good chance you're going to stand alone. But that's the truth. See, guys, there is so much that that happens in our world today. And and when it comes through the world, when it comes by through our society, folks, you need to be, that should throw up red flags to you. It should. Because because God said you, you have to be in the world, but you don't have to be part of the world. You, you, you can be part of the world, but you can't be of the world. Do you understand what, what that's really saying? You have to live here. Let, let me also put it this way. This isn't home. This is not home. You're a, you're a, you're a sojourner. You're, you're, a, you're a visitor. Your home is someplace else other than here. And that, that is with, with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But you see, you've got a choice. You can be that worldly Christian if you want, or you can be a biblical Christian. Now, what do I mean when I, when I talk about someone being a biblical Christian? Well, guys, there, there are two aspects to the gospel. There are the facts of the gospel, the absolute facts of the gospel. That's number one. And number two the interpretation of the facts. These are the two things about, about the gospel. The facts, the facts, are the death, the burial, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Those are the facts. Let me flip over in, in, uh, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 6 where it says this, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas and by the Twelve. And after that, He was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this present, or to the present, but some have fallen asleep. When when Paul wrote that, he said there's no no denying this, folks, that that Jesus Christ, who many of you have have never seen, but many have, and that he walked this earth that he taught us, and then he went to the cross. And on that cross, he shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. We witnessed that. But then they laid him in a tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And people today say, no, that couldn't have happened. And there was people back then that said, no, 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 that couldn't have happened. But yet when Jesus was raised from the dead... He not only was seen by by Peter and the twelve, but that he was also seen by over 500 people. 
walking and talking to people. Now, he wasn't on a stretcher. They didn't have to go into a house to see his, his, his bruised and battered body. Actually, he walked with the bruised and the battered body with the holes in his hands. He walked with that, and he talked to people like that. 500 people saw him. Kind of tough to deny. Kind of tough. But yet some will, will try to do it today. But Paul's letter, in what, I'm, in what we're going through right now in the, in the book of Galatians, Paul's letter concerns, to the Galatians, concerns the interpretation of the facts. It's what it's about. The interpretation of the facts. The Judaizers followed Paul into the Galatian country, and, and they, didn't, they didn't dispute the facts. They didn't dispute the fact that, that Jesus walked this earth, that Jesus went to the cross, that Jesus was, was resurrected from the dead. It, it's pretty tough to dispute the facts because many of those people at that time were still alive. And they saw him. So they couldn't dispute the facts. It was pretty tough to do that. Let me, let me just take a, a moment here. I talk about, and, and you'll see that in, in the epistles a lot, a Judaizer. Um, what is a Judaizer? Yet it's a Jew who believes Jesus, believes Jesus was the Messiah. They believe that, that he was the Messiah. But they're stuck on the legalism and on the Mosaic law. Okay? That's, that is what a, a, a Judaizer... You know, most of your original Christians until Paul uh, when, when started um, the church in <coughs> areas other than, than Israel, um, all your Christians were Jews. They were Jews. But, but Paul was raised up after the Jews had, had refused Jesus as, as the Messiah corporately. They refused Jesus as the Messiah. And then the Lord raised up Paul to send him out to preach the gospel, to preach salvation to, to the Gentiles. But they, they would go into an area, this Judaizers, the Judaizer, after Paul had been there. And, and the conversation would, would go something, something like this. Did Paul come here to preach? And the people would say, sure, yeah, he was here. He told us about Jesus Christ. He, he brought us the gospel of grace. He brought us that. And yes, we're converted. Yes, we believe in Jesus Christ. We're converted. And then the Judaizers would say, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, in fact, that's about as far as Paul can really go. Did, did he also tell you um, that you need to follow the law? Did, did he tell you that you need to follow the dietary laws? Did he tell you that you need to be circumcised? Did he, did he tell you that, that you need to follow the Mosaic law? And they would say, no. And then, and then they would say, well, listen, you're not saved unless you do. You're not saved. See, folks, believe it or not, and, and, and um, it would look a little different today, 
but if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, chances are it's a duck, okay? And, and though someone might not walk around in churches today and say, you've got to follow the Mosaic law. No, they don't say it that way. But what they do is they're loaded down with traditions and, and they're loaded down with, with all kinds of yeah buts, yeah buts. You're not saved unless you yeah but. You do something else. There has to be an action on your part. There has to be somewhere along the line. You know, you're going to have to be baptized or you're going to have to... You know, if anybody can mess up faith, it's man. And man does it. And man does it. And you know what they come up with? (coughs) They come up with faith plus. It's, It's faith... Plus your works equals salvation. That's, that's really how it works. Faith, which is good, you got faith, plus your works, that which you do, will gain you salvation. If you have faith without works, mm, you're not saved. But you see what truly is happening in, in, in when we preach grace, that it is faith plus nothing. Nothing earns you salvation. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? (laughs) You want to come to the Lord. You want to come to the Lord. And I'll say, hey, listen, you give your heart to Jesus Christ. You believe in what Jesus Christ has done for you. He did it for you. Let's do that. Jesus, say this with me. Jesus Christ died for me. And I believe in him and I am saved because I believe in what Jesus Christ did for me. Works? No. You see, your your faith in Christ and what Christ has done for you makes you want to do works. Works is, is a show of your faith. But you don't have to work to be saved. You don't. But you see, that's the twist. That's, that's the twist that, that happens here. You know, a lot of people would say, hey, wait a minute now. What's the difference? What's the difference? I mean, they believe in Jesus, don't they? They believe in him. So what's the difference if it, if it gets changed a little bit? I mean, they, they only changed it a little. Well... Flip over to Acts chapter 4 in verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ. One way. There is no other way to be saved other than through Jesus Christ. This is Christianity 101, but you know something? A lot of people fail it. A lot of people fail it. Christianity 101. Guys, there is. There's no other way to be saved other than your faith in what Jesus Christ did for you. Flip over again to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and then I'll explain why. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. 
not of works, lest anyone should boast. You get this. Do you want to know why works don't save you? It's because all you do is take the credit for it. That's why. They talk about the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That doesn't mean that he went part way and that you, you have to finish it. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that. It means that you were saved through your faith. You see, salvation through faith is what Christ did for us. It is a gift. Lest anyone should boast about what they did. You see, folks, here is the difference. We're saved through Christ alone. We're saved through him alone. And our dependence on him alone and not on ourselves. See, I want you to get something here. When it's faith plus works, that takes our dependence off of him and puts it on us. And you'll see where, where it talks about in, in where I was talking about um, um, the perverted gospel last week. Um, when, when, when Paul was talking about, don't you let anybody come in here and, and teach you another gospel other than what I'm giving you now because there are those who will pervert the gospel. And that's what that is. It's perversion of the gospel. It says that... that it, the perversion of the gospel takes your focus off of Christ and it puts it on, on you. You are more important than Christ because Christ only went part way by going to the cross. So you're the one that has to finish it up. Do you see? Do you see why they do that? Faith alone, in Christ alone. Remember back... When I was talking to you about, about uh, in, I read verse 10, and it asked the question, who are we to please? Men? Or are we here to please God? Who are we here to, to, to please? Preaching the gospel of grace. Listen, guys, I, I, gotta, I gotta be honest with you. We can... And that's a nice thing. I need to be honest. I, I thought that that um, I thought that preaching grace and and leading people to Christ it doesn't get any easier than this, because all it really is is you put your faith in what Jesus Christ did for you. You you don't have to go through um, any of the laws that that are on that. The 615 or 613 laws that, that the Jews had, the man-made laws, um, you don't have to go through anything like that. Many years ago, many, many, many years ago, when, when Shirley and I were first married, um, so that's back almost 35 years. I knew that. And <clears throat> uh, I... I, I came to a point in a, in a career that I went, I just don't like what I'm doing. I've got to do something different. And, and a friend of mine was selling insurance. <sighs> Jeez. And now you look at me and go, oh, that's where this is coming from. But I thought, you know, I bet I could do that. And so he hired me. I worked for Prudential. 
And, and you know, you, you go through the training, you do all of this stuff, and then you go out and you sit down with people and you try to convince them that they need to buy insurance. Well, of course, your mom and dad buy insurance, your brothers buy insurance, aunt and uncle, they'll buy insurance. But then when you get out into the real crowd, they go, get out of here. And you can't really talk to people without thinking what their insurance needs are. And I found out real quick that I didn't like it. But, but I, I remember at the time, I said, you know, this is something that people really need. Um, if, if I could sell them something they wanted, um, boy, that would be a whole lot easier. I wish I was selling motorcycles or boats or something like that, something that people really wanted. Well, I never did that. But sales, believe it or not, I'm not a salesman. I'm not. I'm not good at it. But, but here's the thing about, about Christianity. As Paul said to the Philippian jailer who came before him and, and knelt down before him, and he says, how do I get, how do I become saved? How do I do this? Paul said, listen, man, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, you and your household. You know, it doesn't get any easier than that. Then, then to be able to say, listen, folks, believe in what Jesus Christ did for you. Not this believe, this believe. Believe in what Jesus Christ did for you. It doesn't get any easier than that. It gets, that's simple. That's like selling motorcycles, man. Everybody ought to want that. And I really did. I thought, wow, you know, preaching grace, bringing people to Christ, what an easy thing. What a, what, what, what a, what a misunderstanding on my part. What a misunderstanding. You know, um, preaching the gospel of grace is not pleasing to men. It's not. It's almost like you want to sell them Amway. <laughs> you know why? Because you're teaching people to have their, put their dependence on God and not on themselves. <gasps> to take their dependence away from them and say, your salvation depends on Jesus Christ and on Jesus Christ alone. It almost makes beggars out of us, out of men. Because all of a sudden, it's, it's about God. You have to take your life and you have to give your life to Jesus Christ because this is where your salvation comes from. They would much rather use a helper and that they would be dependent on their salvation. Do you believe? It, salvation doesn't get any easier in this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. No, I tell you what. It's nice what Jesus did, but I want to put it on myself because I want to be in charge. Man by nature, man by nature responds better to legalism because he doesn't think he needs a Savior because he doesn't believe that, that, that Jesus Christ is necessary. You see, all he needs is that helper. Dependence on God. Dependence on God. Never. Never. You see, the Bible is very clear on many subjects. But I'm going to give you an example of, of perversion of the gospel. And I'm going to give you an example of, of 
the perversion that goes on today. Because there are churches out there today who are preaching about, are very, very legalistic. And they're out there. And they're preaching that today. But there is so much more that goes beyond that. And it's a perversion of the gospel. And what I want you to understand when I tell you these things, that it takes the focus off of Jesus Christ and it puts it on man. Because who is more important? Is it God or is it, or is it ourselves? And you see, when you realize where people are at in their lives, the dependence need not be on God. The dependence needs to be on us and how good we are. Listen to this. And, and this, folks, is also a reason that you need to be a biblical Christian. You need to know what this says. You need not be left, led, led astray. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but there are many ways to get to heaven. Who does that put the emphasis on? Us. That we can find another way to heaven. And, and one thing I'll tell you, go find that. Go find it. If you can find where there's many ways to heaven, I'll listen, but you won't find it. Okay? Even when you believe in Jesus as the Son of God, how much of your heart is actually gone to him? Okay? If you're happy, if you are happy, God is happy. Find that one. Find it. It's not here. And, and just for that sake of it, what is it that makes God happy? Are you going to tell him what makes him happy? At, at what point does God become happy? Well, wait a minute. If you're happy in the things that you're doing in this world, does that make God happy? You see, there's a lot of people out there who listen to that and are as happy as a lark, and God don't like it. You don't like it. Do you see? But who does that put, who do, who, who does that put the emphasis on? My happiness. Does God want us to be unhappy? No, he doesn't want us to be unhappy. But he's looking for that relationship with us, a true heart relationship with him. And it makes, but, but listen, if you're happy, he's happy, job well done. Good job. Wrong. Find it in Scripture. <sighs> this one will kill you. And this comes right from Pope Francis to atheists. If you follow your conscience, God will forgive you. Find it. Find it. It's not there. What a terrible thing to tell people. Follow your conscience. It's not true. We all worship the same God. No, we don't. Guys, we don't worship the same God. Other faiths, ask them who Jesus is. Is he the Son of God? No. And actually, guys, 
The Pope said that too. What happened to Jesus? What happened to Jesus Christ as the Son of God? What happened? Well, we're all worshiping the same God. Not even close. Not even close. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Son of God. Jesus Christ went to the cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And we're going to make him a good prophet? Or we're going to just forget him altogether? Because we want one world religion. We all worship the same God. Let's all be together on this. Guys, where have you heard about one world religion? Maybe in the book of Revelation? What, is, what are they pushing today? One world religion. One world religion. Guys, being a biblical Christian will tell you this. You can't do this. You can't do that. You've decided to live an alternative lifestyle. And God's okay with it. Find that one. It's not here. Guys, you need to be a biblical Christian. You need to notice that in this list, that every item that I brought up here puts man and his desires first over God. Do you think that's, do you think that's biblical? It's not. Listen, you see, folks, I hate to dump all the responsibility on you, but it's, it's true. There is responsibility here. And folks, we both have responsibilities. Responsibilities in our Christian faith. We have this. You, your responsibility is to be a biblical Christian and not a worldly Christian. That should throw up red flags all over the place. A worldly Christian coming up with all kinds of weird things. All kinds of ways of making it to heaven. All kinds of, of ways that... And not one of them's in Scripture. It should raise a red flag to you. And you're responsible to know that. You're responsible to be a biblical Christian. And guys... It's up to me to not preach to please men. Or, or to, I need to please God with the, with the sermons I preach. I'm not here to please you. Honestly, come on. Oh, please. <clears throat> hold on, hold on. Let's do that one more time. Guys, I'm here to please God. I'm not here to please you. Okay? Please? And I'll tell you something. Here's something that you need to know. To me, your salvation is more important than making you feel good. It is. I don't want to make you feel good. I don't want to tell you that your sin is okay on a Sunday morning. I don't want to do that. But here's something else. One day I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ and I'm going to answer for the messages that I've given you. And you know something? I'm not turning my back on Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not happening. Amen. It's not happening. You can't do it. You can't turn your back on him. You see this. Listen. 
I don't turn my back on Jesus. And I suggest that you take the unpopular road that is less traveled and not be a worldly Christian, but be a biblical Christian and to follow the word of God because it's never changed. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't need to change. It doesn't. The world changes around you and they all say that it's okay. And it comes from the most remarkable places that'll tell you that it's all okay. And it's not okay. It is not. Let's pray. Oh, our Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you, God, for being our God, for loving us, for giving us your word, for giving us Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who loves us and came and gave himself for us. Let us not, let us not turn our backs on him as this world is doing, as this country is doing. But let us stand on the word of God and on every word of it. Father, let us not take parts of it and and the rest of it we forget. Let us take the word of God. Let us look in these epistles to, to to what has been written to the church and to realize that it is truth in all that we do. Father, bless this church as only you can. Let us stand for the truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.